You are listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 61. Have you ever wondered how to unlock what your buyers really want from you? Be it content or paid offers, it's insanely difficult to build your business when you have to guess what people are thinking and asking and wanting. Let's talk today about how to unlock what your customers really desire and how you can start to use that knowledge to better help them while also growing your business profitably. Welcome to the Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Hey there, if you're listening to this podcast as it comes out, welcome to 2019. Are you ready for an amazing year ahead? I know I am. So I wanna thank you for joining another episode of the Marketing Funnel Show as we talk about strategies and tactics to help you have a sold out business. We've been at this for a year, can you believe that? And the podcast also, not only do I give you strategies and tactics to help you have a sold out business, We also debunk some crazy marketing myths out there and beliefs and things that people are teaching that just don't work. And of course, I share some fun stories, especially about my failures to help you not have those same failures. Uh, So I share some fun stories along the way. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to ask you for a big favor that's really fast and easy. We have about 70 reviews on the Marketing Funnel Show. And if you haven't already, I'm just asking you, like, please, 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 would you jump on over to iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're listening on? So that's Google Play, Stitcher, you know, whatever, and leave a rating and review. The reason is that your feedback is what helps these platforms know that people are actually listening to the show and getting value. And every time one of you fantastic listeners jumps on to leave a rating and a review, the show is recommended to more people who are looking for this kind of information. So if you've gotten any value out of the show, I just ask you, would you please, 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 pretty please with sugar on top, take three minutes to leave a rating and review. It's really easy to do within whatever app you're listening on, or if you're on the computer, you can just jump over to... Um, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I, I always forget what they're going by now. And I so, so appreciate you for doing that. All right, let's dive into today's show because I've got a big question for you. How well do you really know your customers and what they desire? And how do you know that you know what they desire? I know it's kind of a crazy question, but really, How well do you know what your customers want and what they desire? This is one of the biggest questions I ask people who are having trouble with their marketing. So when somebody shows up for a call with me um, and, and they're saying, ah, my marketing is just not working. This is one of the big questions that I'm getting at because knowing what your audience desires is the number one secret, the number one key, the number one whatever magic that unlocks how to make your marketing work. In fact, one of the biggest benefits people get out of my program, which is called Build Your Funnel Bootcamp, 
is knowing what their audience wants if they do the exercises. I've seen people have a really good idea. It sounds great in theory, right? They go out and they spend all this time and effort and sometimes a lot of money to create a product. And I've done this too. And then they just launch it with no validation from their audience. And maybe you've done that too. And I know my absolute biggest flops and failures in business have come after I've done just that. Basically, you know, sitting in my office by myself, trying to think up the perfect offer on my own without getting any feedback from the people who might actually buy it. And I gotta tell you, I am not my buyers. Like I know way too much about this stuff. And so it never works. In fact, just creating and pumping out offer after offer after offer is a great way to bury yourself in busy work. But it's busy work that doesn't end up paying off because no one wants those offers. Now, when I talk about offers, I'm talking about something big, like building out a course, crafting an entire um, coaching program that's like, you know, three or six months long, that's all about um, some mastermind program that's a year long. I'm not talking about what I've talked about on previous episodes, which are mini offers. These little baby offers that you can roll out quickly just to start validating. In fact, those are amazing offers to just see are people even interested in this. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something big. I mean, my friends back in uh, either 2012 or 2000, I think it was 2013, I created this entire online program that was all about um, career coaching because I was doing a lot of career coaching at that time and helping people who wanted to transition from a career to having their own business. So I created um, the Breaking Free program, which was a um, a coaching pro or a, an online program based on the in-person coaching that I was doing. I didn't validate it with anybody. I created this huge I think eight module course with multiple videos per module, tons of worksheets. Like this thing took a long time to create. I created this whole thing and I rolled it out and I did not validate it one time. I went, you know what? This is selling as a workshop. This is selling as one-on-one work. Why should I validate if anybody wants this as a course? I'm just going to roll it out. And it flopped. I, I could not even give that program away. Nobody wanted it. And, and that's probably one of my biggest flops that I've ever had because I put so much time and money and effort into that and just, it just went nowhere. It's so vitally important that you know the people that you're talking to. And when I say, when I say that you need to know them, I mean, not some made up customer avatar. I mean, you've got to have a specific person in your head, somebody who has either bought your program or will buy your program. And you need to know that this offer is perfect for what they want to achieve, for what they, how they want to consume what it is that you're offering. And the only way to do that is three steps. Number one, you need to uncover their main problems. You need to know what wakes them up in the morning and is on their mind and what they're thinking about all day long and trying to solve and what they're worried about as they're falling asleep at night and maybe even what wakes them up in the middle of the night. Like you need to know what that problem is. Number two, you need to craft, test, and prove that you've got the best solution for their problems. Now that's what I did not do with my program. 
I said, ah, this is working as a workshop that I deliver in person. This is working as a one-on-one coaching program. Of course it's gonna work for an online program. But I didn't help people connect the dots of how this information was gonna get them the outcome that they wanted. And so there was this huge gap between, hey, I have this great program that I deliver one-on-one coaching or in an in-person workshop. Now you can buy it online and you can get the same benefits. But they were like, really? I don't think so. And there was this huge gap between it. So nobody wanted the, the program. And then number three, you need to create a marketing funnel that allows you to set the stage for why your offer is the best solution for them. Why you? Why now? Why this offer? Like that is what everybody is always wondering. And here's the deal. I've got a whole process that I use with my clients and students on this. That's called the Funnel Persuasion Playbook. Because often when I start talking about this, people's eyes start to glaze over. And maybe your eyes are glazing over right now. I've seen it so many times. Because uncovering your audience's main problems can seem simple for some people. Like you can just go, oh, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one work. I know what these are. Or it can seem really overwhelming. You say, oh, it's a new offer. It's a new audience. It's a new business. I don't know. I don't even know where to start. So I usually find people sit in one of those two camps and both of them have their, you know, head rolled back and eyes glazed over. And I feel like I'm talking to my 16 year old about, you know, responsibilities. And they're just like, I don't want to hear it. And it can feel like it's getting in the way of the real work, right? So when I say we need to do the funnel persuasion playbook, people are like, oh, I already know this stuff. Let's get to the real work. Let's get to the work of putting my offer together, of getting my message out there, of, you know, testing out some ads. And I'm like, ah, all of that stuff is number one, way harder. And number two, will not be as effective when you don't know what those problems are. Because honestly, any product, any service, any program, any app, any whatever event that is rolled out without understanding your audience is standing on super wobbly legs. They're like spaghetti legs and they're probably gonna, you know, fall down. The real work, the work that sets you up for a sold out business, that work starts by giving yourself time. And when I say time, I don't mean like crazy amounts of time. If you spent you know, two or three solid days working on this, you would know more about your audience than probably 95% of businesses out there. But that work starts by crawling into your audience's brain and really, truly understanding them. Because once you understand their fears, once you understand the stories they tell themselves, once you know what their dreams are, once you can really articulate their big burning desire, only then, Can you create a product, a program, an event, an app, a service, or some other offer that they eagerly line up to buy? And they'll eagerly buy because they know without a doubt that you understand them. And I gotta tell you, your marketing is so much easier too because you really understand them. But here's the problem. When you're rolling out something new, when you're going in a new direction with your business, when you're starting a new business even, or you're trying to pivot to serve a new audience or talk to them in a new way, it can be really tough to even find your audience, right? And it can feel like a catch 22. On one hand, you need an audience 
to understand if, if this great idea you have, this product, this program, this service, this app, this event will sell. But on the other hand, you need to sell something to stay in business. So which comes first? The research on the audience or just winging it and putting something out there to see if, you know, throwing some offer spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks. Well, if you're anything like I was early on in my business, you probably take the risk and you just put something out there because it seems like a better idea to have an offer to sell than just quote unquote wasting time. And I've said this too, wasting time doing research. But if I've learned anything from all the failure that I've had throughout my business, that approach of just throwing offer spaghetti on the wall will pretty much guarantee your failure. And I just want to challenge you today to take a more disciplined, business-focused approach to building your business, create a solid foundation of deep understanding of your audience instead of spaghetti legs that just crumble and fall and, you know, noodle over. So let's talk about how you can start to develop that deep understanding, especially when you do not have a big audience to start with, because we all start at zero, right? And even people who have big audiences, let me just sidetrack here. And when I say big audience, I mean a big audience could be 100 people, right? A big audience could be 1,000, it could be 10,000, it could be 50,000, you know, whatever. But if your audience is not engaged with who you are and what you're offering, it doesn't matter how many people are on your email list. But there are a lot of ways that you can easily jump into the minds of your ideal audience, even if you don't have an, e- an email list. I'm just gonna put that out there. So if you're saying, but Michelle, I don't know who my audience is. Okay, that's step one. Find out where your audience is hanging out because they're leaving these breadcrumb clues for you. They're leaving comments on blog posts and articles. They're you know, probably posting in Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or on Medium or on Quora or somewhere. Um, They might be doing, they might be following somebody, one of your competitors and asking questions, maybe when that person does like a Facebook Live or Instagram story or, um, or Instagram video or a Google live stream or something like that. Um, People might be asking for feedback You know, you could also send out emails to people. When I was first starting my business, I just sent like LinkedIn uh, messages to people saying, hey, can I, you know, can I have 10 minutes of your time to ask you a couple questions? Um, Or, you know, you could have a pop-up on your website if you have a lot of website traffic. There's tons and tons of ways that you can ask for feedback. But one of the fastest and easiest ways that you can do it is through a survey. And... The reason I love a survey, and when I say survey, it doesn't have to be like set up on some fancy survey system. It can be a Google form. It could be a simple question that you pose in a Facebook group. But even before you start yelling at me through this podcast, yes, you, you, the person saying, no, Michelle, I can't do it. Yes, you can use a survey approach, even if you do not have an audience or you don't have a responsive audience or you don't have a big audience, whatever, you know, excuses you have, I promise you, you can use a survey approach because, you know, people do it all the time. 
And you just have to be really thoughtful about what you want to get from this audience. So even with a teensy tiny minuscule audience, surveys can be super effective. And if you have a larger audience, well, surveys are going to become your new bestie when you learn how to use them correctly. And we're just going to go over some highlights today. So this is like not even survey one-on-one. This is like, get your feet wet, right? And before we jump into any specific questions that you should ask in a survey, I want to first talk about some general guidelines to help you think about the kind of input that you want from your audience, to think about how you're going to use these responses from people, and to help you create a survey that will actually get you results. So, Guideline number one is kiss. Keep it simple, sweetheart. (laughs) Some people say stupid, but I like sweetheart better. One of the biggest issues I see when people start trying to survey an audience is that they want to ask this audience literally everything under the sun. And again, it becomes like the Spanish Inquisition. What about this? What about this? What about this? And you got to remember, people are busy. You are busy. I am busy. Your audience, everyone is busy. So the number one thing you need to decide before you ever put any questions out there is what do you really, really need to know? What are you really trying to find out so that you can create content, your offer, and your marketing with confidence? Once I had someone ask me to do a survey with them and the survey, I'm not even joking, had 87 questions. I got 10 minutes into that darn survey and I just quit. I was like, this is ridiculous. There are way too many questions on here. And you probably would have too, because the truth was the survey wasn't benefiting me. There was no way it was benefiting me. This was only benefiting the person asking the questions and worse, the whole experience felt really invasive and really impersonal. Like I was just a number and they were just trying to get as much data as they could. And I'm going to be honest with you, you can get a lot of insight with two to six questions, but you need to know what to ask. And even more importantly, what to do with the responses that you get. All right. Guideline number two, avoid conversation stoppers. When I was in coach training, I am back in like 2010, I guess. Um, and going through coaching certification, my instructors would always remind us, don't ask close-ended questions. I mean, if you ask like a yes or no question, you'll get a yes or no answer. But then what? Because a yes or a no is a conversation stopper. It's like taking a turn right into a conversation dead end. Because they give you an answer yes, or they give you an answer no. And when you're in person, you can try and re-engage the person into your conversation if you've asked a yes or no question, but on a survey, it's really tough. If they give you an answer and then they move on, you'll probably be wondering, why did you say yes? Why did you say no? And there's no way to kind of go back and figure that out. So in your survey, your number one goal is to crawl into your audience's head and uncover their deep desire. If you ask closed-ended questions, you need to be really careful because you're probably confirming what you already think, not maybe what's going on in their head. 
That's not to say you can't use multiple choice questions, but you need to be mindful of how you use those multiple choices. For example, if I were to ask this question, do you want a steady stream of clients in your business? Checkbox yes or checkbox no. If someone says yes, they're simply confirming that this is a desire they have, but I don't know why. I don't know if this is something they struggle with. I don't know if that's even how they would talk about their big desire. I've just put it out there. And if someone says no, again, I have no idea why they say no. Are they already sold out? Do they have all the clients that they want? Do they think it's not possible? You know, do they already have so many sales that they think they don't need any more? I don't know. You see how that's not a great question because it doesn't really help me get into their minds. Here's how I could rephrase that question. What's your biggest goal in your business for the next six months? And then I could give some answers like, Find my, find my audience to buy my offer, create an offer that people want to buy, find a way to have consistent buyers in my business, all of the above or something else. Now, that's not a fabulous question, but it gives you an idea of how to rephrase it so that I could understand more of what my audience wants, right? Now, there is an exception that I use for yes or no questions, and that is when I'm trying to set the stage for what my survey is all about. So when I wanna keep it super focused on one specific topic, I might use a yes or no question, but in that case, I will always add an other option so people can give me a response in their own words. For example, in a recent survey I did, the first question I asked was, have you ever tried to create a marketing funnel for your business? So the answers they could get was yes, no, or other, where they could write in a response. This was an important question for me to ask because again, it set the stage for what I wanted feedback on in this survey. And it went really well because it was a survey for the Marketing Funnel Show, so it made sense that I wanted to talk to them about marketing funnels. And I find that the multi-choice questions really helps me warm up the audience and gets them answering, but again, I'm um, kind of directing this. So, you know, I'm pu- the problem is, is that I'm putting ideas in their head, which can lead to bad survey data because I'm basically planting seeds of what I want to hear. Now, there are trade-offs to this. Like I said, if you want to like set the stage for what you want this to be about. So just be aware that you may be skewing your results and your insights when you give people um, answers that you want to hear. Uh, So just be really thoughtful about how you do that. All right, guideline number three, ask conversation starter questions. Okay, so if you have too many open-ended questions, no one is going to want to respond to your survey, but a few are really great. These open-ended questions, these conversation starter questions are so key. This is where the gold is in your survey responses. People get to say what's really on their mind in their own words and with their own point of view, and usually in a way that you never would have thought about. This is where you get the best copy ideas for your marketing funnel and for your offer because you're getting a fantastic snapshot into what is happening in your audience's head right then and there. So here are a couple of my favorite questions to ask. When it comes to attracting buyers online, what's the biggest problem frustration or obstacle you are currently facing. So again, uh, instead of going specifically to marketing funnels, I just say, hey, when it comes to attracting buyers, 
What's your biggest problem, frustration, or obstacle? That is really open-ended and it helps me understand what people see as a problem, a frustration, or an obstacle. Another one is how are the problem, frustrations, and obstacles affecting you? So that might be what I ask right after it. So identify the problem and then tell me, how are they affecting you? How are they affecting your business? What does this mean to you? Those two questions are so amazing for, um, for getting great feedback from my audience. Now, I've got a few more questions that I love to ask, but these are great idea starters for you. What do you wanna know from your audience? What simple question would help you open a conversation with them about what's going on? All right, guideline number four is kiss part two. (laughs) So keep it simple, sweetheart, part two. Focus your questions. Okay, we started these guidelines, these four guidelines with kiss, and now we're gonna end with kiss. Part two, and that is to keep your questions focused. I've seen surveys before where every question is asking two to three questions and it's really tough to answer and it gets overwhelming. uh, For example, a recent survey I saw had all of this on one line in one question. How did you find out about company name? What do you like most about product name? Why did you select product name? Like, you know, I bought something for one of my kids and this popped up And this was just one of many questions on the survey. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so many questions all in one. What the heck are you trying to do here? These questions are fine to ask, but separately. Otherwise, I don't even know how to answer. Those are three separate questions that require three different responses. And it just seemed overwhelming. So I didn't even respond because it was too confusing and seemed too hard. Instead, Be really clear on what you'd like to ask and why you want that information. You don't have to tell them why you want the information, but you need to be clear for yourself. What am I gonna do with this information? Why do I want it? Don't ask for stuff just to know. Be clear on why you want to know it. What are you gonna do with that insight? Okay, so now we've set the stage with how, you know, the guidelines about your feedback. Let's talk about three great questions you could use to start gathering feedback. Now, these aren't the only questions that you might wanna ask, but these are three great ones to just kind of open up the question asking wheels in your head. So question number one, what's your biggest challenge, your biggest struggle, your biggest obstacle in or with blah, whatever it is that your business is focused on? Now with this question, you wanna know what's top of mind for your audience? What are they struggling with? What are they thinking about? How do they talk about these challenges? This is such a great question because it gives you a peek into how they frame the challenge, the struggle, the obstacle in their own mind, in their own life, in their own head, right? Question number two is what's your biggest question about blah? Again, whatever your business is about. This is another way to get at what they're thinking about and struggling with. Asking, what's your biggest question around this topic area? I love this question because it really helps you understand what kind of content you can create to attract your ideal audience. What kind of ads, what kind of blog posts, what kind of social media, what kind of video, what kind of, you know, whatever it is that you um, get out there in front of your audience, emails even, whatever, to talk about and you're answering specific questions that you know people have because I guarantee if one person asks you this question, you've got more people out there wondering about the same thing and it can feel like, oh my gosh, you understand me, you're you're in my head, you know what I'm thinking of, I wanna pay attention to you. 
So that's one of my favorite questions. Question number three, if you could wave a magic wand, what product, what program, what service, you know, whatever you sell, would you like created to blah, whatever your, whatever your business is about? And here you go. This is the money question. This helps you understand, does your audience want one-on-one service help? Do they want a course? Do they want things for free? Do they want templates? What is it that they're looking for to help them out right now? This is such a great way to truly understand what they're thinking. And after I ask this question, that's when I would roll out a mini offer to just see, will they actually buy it? And what stories are they telling about what they need to achieve their goals? There are, uh, you know, lots more questions that you could potentially ask in a survey, but we're going to stop here for now. And I'd love to hear back from you. Have you ever surveyed your audience, either with a formal survey, like sending your audience there, or informally by just posing a question on Facebook? If so, did you get the insights that you needed? Did you know what to do with those insights? And what other questions do you have about tapping into the big desires of your audience, about surveys, about, you know, whatever? that I could answer on on another Marketing Funnel show. I just love it when people hit me up on social media or even email me directly at michelle at michellelevans.com. I love to hear from listeners just like you so that together we can co-create a podcast and content that is valuable and helpful and really gets you on the road to the marketing insights that you need and you want to grow your business. All right, as you were listening to this, did you think of someone who is frustrated trying to figure out what his or her audience wants from them? You know, what kind of offers they want, what kind of content they want, what they'll actually buy. If so, would you do both of us a favor and share this episode with them? It's so easy to do from whatever podcaster podcatcher you're listening on, so you can just hit the share button, or you can share the URL for today's show which you can find at themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 61, just the number six one. And your friend can listen right there. They don't even need to have a podcast um, app on their phone. All right, have an amazing week. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week, same time, same place on another great episode of The Marketing Funnel Show. I'll see you then. 